Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short, and with me here is Drew Silva. What's up, Drew? Yo, um, not much. This is kind of my favorite time of the sports calendar with the NCAA tournament. These first four days, I think, are the best. I kind of lose interest in it as it goes along, right? But just having so many basketball games to watch, especially for someone who works from home, yep, um, it's really really fun. And then, of course, you, you know, there's like real baseball games on the horizon too i'm kind of sick of sick of spring training <laughs> i agree I, I think within the first week or two of spring training i'm like okay let's go now you know what i mean but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good to have sports on tv during the day so it doesn't really matter if it's a spring training game or a really exciting basketball basketball game between two teams where i don't really know the players it's still just exciting to have it on during the day uh for yeah, people like the olympics are good for that too yeah that's definitely true so uh, for this episode, we're going to go through a bunch of spring training storylines, and, and there are a lot of them this week, from major signings to notable prospects being sent down to some notable spring training performances as well. But before we get to that, just a quick reminder that the online Roto World Baseball Draft Guide is available now, and we're moving into the heart of fantasy draft season. So you want this as a resource, trust me. It's loaded with everything you need to get ready, including projections, detailed player profiles, average draft position data. Articles on sleepers, busts, our top 100 prospects. There's mock draft analysis for all sorts of formats. A ton more. It's going to be updated through the end of spring training. So head to rotoworld.com to check that out. Uh, Okay, so I figured we'd get started here with the big signings over the past week. There's been a few notable ones. Finally, some movement on that front as we get closer to opening day. Two weeks away right now. Um, So I'll get us started with the Jake Arrieta deal. Arietta signed a three-year, $75 million contract with the Phillies. He has the ability to opt out of the deal after the second season, though the Phillies could also void that opt-out by picking up a two-year option, and it's $20 million per season base salary. So it's kind of a complicated deal. There's like a bunch of bonuses on it, too. Uh, but still, obviously not what Arietta had in mind coming into the offseason. Um, but, you know, he turned 32 years old in March. So I think it's it was kind of a tough market for him. Tough market when you're an older pitcher. Um, and, you know, someone wasn't going to give him a really long contract. So I actually think he did pretty well getting a $25 million AAV. And uh, I like the fit, too. I mean, maybe Arietta's stock has fallen a little bit from a year ago, year and a half ago. But... He and Aaron Nola, that's a pretty good one-two punch for a team that's on the rise. I, you know, I think they have a really promising future, and he's going to be a part of that. Yeah, I, I do like the real-life fit. I think it was a move that the Phillies like needed to make. Um, and they're kind of legitimate wild-card contenders, I think, like maybe. 
Um, especially if they were to make a, a move at, at the deadline, if they're like, you know, in the mix there with so many teams tanking in the national league and the American league, um, you know, they'll, they'll have a shot at it. I, I, I don't know. Arietta's still probably like a top 30 starter, but I think he's near the bottom of that top 30 for me. I agree. Um, you know, lost velocity on his fastball, like two miles an hour. Um, a lot of walks. There's just kind of a lot of red flags. Uh, you don't know about the durability. He only pitched 168 innings last year. Um, he's probably someone I would let someone else draft, um, depending on how far he falls in a draft. But um, I do. I think it's a, a good move for the Phillies. I, I commend them for for starting to spend some cash and, and making a go of it. Yeah, I think Arietta's a guy that still has that name recognition of being a frontline guy, mm-hmm. and he isn't quite that anymore. So. You know, depending on what, you know, what your draft room is like, you know, if you have people who are super engaged, they may realize that he's not that pitcher anymore, at least hasn't been recently. Um, So they may value him similar to us, kind of still in that top 30, but not what he was before. Um, And you also have to keep in mind the Philly Stadium, certainly a good homer park. I think it has this reputation of being a band box. There's certainly a lot of home runs in that park, but Really looking at things, it's kind of more neutral than I think a lot of people realize. Um, and he's still in the National League. We'll get to face the pitcher. So at least he didn't jump over to the American League and sign with, like, the Rangers or something. Um, so I had him as my number 26 starting pitcher when we did our rankings last month. Um, and I'd probably stick pretty close to that right now. So still in that top 30, but more toward the back end. Um, another big... Uh well, kind of big free agent signing this week was Lance Lynn officially agreeing to a one-year $12 million free agent contract with the Twins on Monday. Um, it's pretty amazing to me that that's the best he could do. Um, he turned down a one-year $17.4 million qualifying offer from the Cardinals in November. But you know, this market was, wasn't kind at all to second-tier free agents, and, and that's kind of where he fit into it. I, I, I do love the real-life baseball fit. I mean, the Twins did a nice job getting Jake Odorizzi from the Rays last month. There's some upside there, but they needed a workhorse, I think for their rotation. And Lynn has been that, um, had a successful return from Tommy John surgery last season, hit some predictable skids, uh, had a career low strikeout rate, but still finished with a 3.43 ERA and 186 innings with the Cardinals. Um, the 30 old, 30 year old right-hander has a 3.38 career ERA and a 8.5 career K per nine. Um, really good numbers in, in terms of fantasy, but I, I think you probably have to knock them down some rows in your rankings with, with the move from the National League to the American League. And then Target Field has proven a little more hitter-friendly than I think we we all thought it would be when it opened. Um, certainly more hitter-friendly than Bush Stadium, which is kind of an extreme pitcher's park. True. And that's where Lynn spent the first seven years of his career, which helped that 3.38 career ERA. Um, should still be useful as a, like a late round starter with strong potential for a good ERA and, and a good amount of wins on a, a Twins team that looks pretty good. Um, made his unofficial Twins debut on Tuesday against the Orioles, striking out five batters over three hitless innings. You know, I might have to adopt the Twins as my AL team for this year because they're a really fun team. They were a fun team even before making all these additions. But as you said, they did a good job getting Jayco to Rizzi as well. I would have loved to see you Darvish there. Um, didn't work out, but getting Lynn and Oda Rizzi to help with that rotation. Then they signed Logan Morrison to a bargain contract. They got Addison Reed on a deal that I think really flew under the radar. Um, 
Fernando Rodney, you know, I could take or leave <laughs> that, but um, a veteran arm for the back end of the bullpen. Zach Duke also kind of fits in that category as well. So that was a really good winter. I know, you know, some other teams grabbed more of the headlines, I think, the Yankees, the Brewers, teams like that. But uh, I thought the Twins did a really good job. Yeah, their their lineup's really like deep and dynamic. Um, yep. There's a lot a lot of youth and some veterans. I, that'll be pretty good. Uh, speaking of the Yankees, uh, another one with a lot of fantasy fallout. Neil Walker uh, gets a one year four million dollar deal, uh, which looks like one of the better bargains of the winter. Uh, I mean, it's amazing uh, how Walker's market really cratered like it did. He had an 801 OPS last year. He was awesome with the Brewers down the stretch. I think he had an on base percentage over 400. Uh, when he was at the Brewers, and hey, I, I could have seen him going back to the Brewers, but uh, they they didn't do that. Uh, I thought the Yankees were out as an option after they traded for Brandon Drury. I think a lot of people did. I think Neil Walker did for a while, <laughs> uh, but now it looks like Drury will handle starting third base duties, and, and Walker you know, should be the primary second baseman, you would think. Um, I guess he's also an insurance policy for Greg Bird at first base, um, I think we had big expectations for Greg Bird this year, but he's still sort of unproven. Has never played a full season in the majors, has some contact issues, so uh, maybe he struggles and, and Walker could fit in there, uh, especially if we see these prospects come up, um, which I think you have more on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a surprising fit because the Yankees do have these like ready-made MLB prospects, and Miguel Handuhar, their big third-base prospect, and then Glaber Torres, their big shortstop prospect but if you can get a a really good solid veteran like neil walker for four million dollars on a one-year deal um there's there's nothing wrong with having that kind of depth and and just pushing getting those guys a little more minor league seasoning um i think we both love anduhar and torres long term i mean but torres just turned 21 years old right um, Andahar is young too, but I mean, you look at the numbers, Andahar batted 315 with an 850 OPS, 16 home runs and 82 RBIs in 125 games last season between double A and triple A went four for seven with two doubles over his first five major league games as a September call up. He has a 985 OPS with four home runs and 12 games this spring. So he's knocking on the door. Um, and, and I don't, but it's not a bad thing for the Yankees to, you know, have that depth and, and just kind of wait, um, you know, injuries happen. And, and so if, if they need Andohar, he'll be there. If they don't, he, he'll just hopefully get better and better in the minor leagues. Um, Torres, Glaber Torres had a 383 on base percentage in 55 games last season between double A and triple A before tearing the UCL and his non throwing elbow in June. He's struggled this spring in the grapefruit league, but I think we can grant him some, time to shake off that rust like i said he's just he just turned 21 years old in december um i, I think well, i'm one of the top five or six prospects in all of baseball but still really young and it's it's not a bad thing to to have those guys sit in the minors for a bit and see if jury and walker who, who are really two you know proven major leaguers um kind of carry the carry the weight for at least the first two, three months of the season. Yeah, and the thing about Torres is those 55 games that he played last year, they were his first 55 games above high A. So, you know, not a lot of experience against higher level competition, and you mentioned the age as well. Um, So I think most people figured the Yankees would get these kind of veteran stopgap guys. You know, this is a team with World World Series aspirations, so to put two really young players in your infield... Um, that's a little risky. Even if they are, you know, prospects, we have 
um, high confidence in for the long term. It just makes sense to plug those veterans in. If And if they end up coming up later this year and playing major roles, then, then so be it. And the Yankees will, the depth will be even stronger. So um, I thought it was a great move by Brian Cashman and, and Walker essentially fell right into their laps. Um, I think obviously the fantasy uh, stock with Walker goes up quite a bit uh, in that Yankees lineup. He might hit eighth or something, who knows, but um, it's still a great situation uh, in that ballpark, in that lineup. So, you know, late round pick. I think Neil Walker makes a lot of sense. I think Brandon Drury does as well. But don't ignore these guys either. You know, if you can make reserve round picks, that sort of thing. I still think they're worth monitoring, and uh, even in mixed leagues. Yeah, I mean, Walker batting eighth, probably Drury batting ninth. Walker, like, always puts up at 800 OPS. Mm-hmm. Drury has flashed some some power at times in the past. Um, yeah, the, the Yankees are loaded. Yeah, it's sick. <laughs> <laughs> so we should also mention Mike Moustakis. You know, it's funny. We, we did a lengthy segment on Moustakis as part of last week's show, but uh, we ended up leaving it on the cutting room floor because basically as soon as we were done the show, he ended up re-signing with the Royals. So uh, I have to say that that segment, though, that 10-minute segment on Moustakis, pretty sure it was the best 10 minutes in podcast history, but... Uh, yeah, uh-huh. now it's lost forever. Um, we'll see. Uh, anyway, uh, Moustakis returns to the Royals on a one-year $6.5 million contract, which, again, another crazy bargain uh, after this crazy winner. He gets a $5.5 million base salary, and there's a $1 million buyout on a, a mutual option for 2019. And you'd think there's no way he's going to pick up that his side of that option if he has a, a good year, obviously. Um and there's incentives in there too, so he could actually earn another 2.2 million, but still well short of what anybody thought coming into the winter. I, I think going into the off season, many of us thought the Angels were the obvious fit. Mustakas being from Southern California, Angels having an opening at third base, but they signed Zach Cozart, uh, kind of an outside the box kind of move there. The Yankees were also mentioned for a little while, but they obviously went in a different direction. Um, I, at first I kind of wondered why the Royals would do this deal, but it's such a little amount of money for them that it, it really doesn't matter. Um, and with them kind of going into a rebuild, maybe it makes some sense to have a familiar name around, at least for the fan base. And they could still flip them at the trade deadline and get maybe a mid-level prospect back. So I actually think it's a pretty good situation for them. Yeah, broke their single season franchise record with 38 home runs last year. Um, I think it makes sense. It's just it's just a low low risk low dollar amount, and he's a fan favorite. Yep. And you know, hopefully, hopefully they'll they'll play some exciting baseball this year and reward the fans that have really come on board the last four years in Kansas City. Right. Um, for fantasy purposes, it would have been awesome if he would have wound up with the White Sox. I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, I'm keeping him where I had him in my in my third base rankings. I guess. Yeah, I had him 13th in my third base rank. He's just ahead of Adrian Beltre, so maybe I could be swayed a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. either way it could turn out, but not much change anyway. As you said, it would have been better if it was White Sox, Yankees, that sort of thing. So um, we're going to move on to some prospect talk here in a second, but if you love fantasy baseball and you're listening to this podcast, so I'm pretty sure you do, uh, well, you need to try our favorite new app. It's called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like those other guys. You aren't going to find salary caps. Pros or bots filling up games. On draft, you play live snake drafts with other real people, just like in your season-long league. So very similar to the to the fantasy setups you've been accustomed to. And, and here's how it works. Drafts take as little as two minutes and last for just one night. 
Once you're done doing your draft, that's it. No more trades, no waivers. You just set your lineup and forget it. Really simple stuff. Drafts start every minute, so you can join one right now. And the best part is the cash, of course. Drafts start from just $1, so there's really draft for everyone and whatever level you're comfortable with. Join us on Draft today. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com. Multiple ways to get signed up. And for a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. That's right. Play a real money game for free with promo code RW. That's RW for Roto World. And it gets even better. Draft is so sure that you'll love it that they're offering you a money back guarantee up to $100. But you have to use our promo code RW, a real money entry and a $100 money back guarantee. That's promo code RW to check out Draft for yourself. All right, moving on to these prospect notes. I think the most noteworthy thing is that the Rangers kind of surprised us. They sent down Willie Calhoun this week, an exciting prospect. Um, Someone who's been drafted in a lot of leagues already that I've seen. I was surprised by that one. Yeah, I think many were expecting Calhoun to open as the Rangers' primary left fielder and perhaps like part-time DH this season, myself included. Um, But yeah, the Rangers optioned him to AAA Round Rock on Tuesday, so that that thought will have to be put on hold. The Rangers cited a need for Calhoun to improve his defense in the outfield, which I think is probably valid. I didn't see any of him this spring, but Rangers beat writers talked about his routes looking awkward at times. And he was kind of a man without a position coming up through the Dodgers system before they traded him to Texas last summer as part of the U Darvish deal. So now the service time system is likely going to play a a factor, a big factor. And when, Calhoun returns to the major leagues. Um, he only needs 152 days of MLB service time this year to, to move his free agency up to 2022. If he doesn't reach that mark, um, his free agency would be pushed back a year to 2023. So the Rangers will pro- probably ensure that happens, um, meaning the date to watch for his possible promotion this year is May 3rd. Um, Calhoun's a special hitter and a top 40 prospect, despite the defensive concerns. He batted 300 with a 927 OPS, 31 home runs and 93 RBIs in 120 games, 128 games last year between the AAA affiliates of the Dodgers and Rangers also had 27 home runs and 88 RBIs in 132 games at double a in 2016. Um, I think this demotion, which is probably going to turn into like a five or six week delay, takes him off the board for me in, in like a standard mixed fantasy league. In deeper leagues, I think he's still worth stashing. Um, but you know, he did struggle in his first 37 major league plate appearances at the end of last season. Um, not a big sample size, but he also wasn't doing much in the Cactus League this spring. If you're in a standard league, I think you're looking more towards grabbing him up on the waiver wire when it, when it seems like he's close to coming back up. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, like I said, I've already seen him drafted in a lot of leagues. So, you know, if you really have the bench space, you know, maybe you could wait, but as you said, I think it's going to be about four or five weeks. Um, so that could be a little frustrating, especially with early DL moves. And again, it's the 10 day DL now. So I think a lot of teams are going to try to manipulate that early um, so you might be forced to drop him, but I do think he's going to be out there on the waiver wire, probably in most leagues, uh, once he does come up. And when he does, uh, I think he's going to be worth adding right away. He's kind of a unique guy. I mean, he's he's a little guy. He's not especially tall, but um, you know, he's he's done nothing but hit in the minors and uh, makes good contact, hits for some power. Um, and I love the ballpark there for him um, in the lineup. So. 
definitely someone to keep an eye on. I was really disappointed uh, to see him sent down this week, but still kind of a sleeper for me uh, going into the year. So uh, when, when, yeah, when, when you can platoon Ryan Rua and Drew Robinson in left oh. field, you, you got to do it. Yeah. I wasn't even going to mention them, you know, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> not even worth mentioning them from a fantasy perspective, but uh, yeah, hopefully we see Calhoun soon. The um, Rangers are tanking. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, uh, another interesting prospect nugget this week, the Indians planning to give Francisco Mejia some time in the outfield. Uh, they said that after optioning him to AAA Columbus this week, Mejia, of course, one of the top position prospects in the game, primarily a catcher in the minors, but he's known more for his hit- hitting ability than his defense. And the Indians are happy with Jan Gomes behind the plate. So they're looking for alternative routes to get Mejia to the majors faster. Um, and now the Indians were trying him at third base for a while, but it seems that experiment is over, uh, at least for now. Uh, the switch hitting Mejia hit 297 with 14 home runs and an 835 OPS in 92 games last season in double A. He's always done a good job making contact. It seems like he's one of those guys he'll hit enough to make enough of an impact, regardless of whether he stays behind the plate or not. And the outfield's interesting with the Indians. You look at the health of Michael Brantley. He's far from a sure thing, so there really could be an opening there for him, depending on how he adjusts to the outfield. So there's a good chance he'll be a contributor this year, though, again, it may be a month or two into the season. I'm guessing maybe closer to midseason, perhaps. But he's definitely someone to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, I think Jason Kidness having a big spring has kind of led to the Indians abandoning the idea that Mejia should play third base because they want to keep Jose Ramirez there. That's true. That's um, so true. so while like spring training stats don't don't matter, like sometimes they kind of do. That's true. That's true. I mean, I, we know the Indians tried to trade Kipnis over the winter. If they did, maybe they'd be saying something different right yeah. now. But uh, maybe it'll turn out to be a good decision that they weren't really able to find a good fit. And and to be honest, I know there was that the rumors between the Mets and the Indians. That contract looked kind of bad coming off the year that Kipnis had. But um, like we said last week. When he's healthy, he's a really good player. So uh, mm-hmm. he looks healthy right now. So that's a good thing for the Indians. Um, on to some quick injury updates. I'll get a start on Michael Conforto, who really continues to make fast progress from last September's surgery. He had a torn posterior capsule in his left shoulder. He's already taken full batting practice. And he actually said to reporters on Tuesday, I was, I was surprised by this, that he fully expects to get into a Grapefruit League game next week. Who knows if that'll actually happen, but... It's hard to not be encouraged by his progress and the possibility that he'll really beat that May 1st timetable. I know that was the date they originally you know, put out there. That was a couple of months ago. Um, but the way things are going with him, I think he could be back a lot sooner. So that's great news. Um, Nelson Cruz left a Cactus League game on Tuesday after pulling up lame down the first baseline in an RBI single. He was reaching toward his right quad as he came off the field, and the injury was eventually revealed to be a grade one right quad strain. That's the least severe type of strain, and Cruz told reporters on Wednesday that he expects to be back in action after only a few days of rest, but we'll see about that. Um, Cruz is 37 years old, going on 38, and even grade one quad strains usually take two to three weeks to recover from. Opening day, as we record this, is exactly two weeks away. Uh, maybe the Mariners are, are fine with him getting no more Cactus League at-bats. Um, it's not like it's his first rodeo. He, he He's already taken a lot of at-bats this spring, and you know, he can get tuned up in batting practice. He's just that kind of veteran slugger. But I think it's something to monitor on our player news page over 
the closing days of spring training. I'm sure we'll have an update on it on the podcast next week. Cruz had a 924 OPS, 39 homers, and American League leading 119 RBIs last year. Another veteran slugger I want to mention, Ioannis Cespedes with the Mets. He He received a cortisone injection in his right wrist on Wednesday. He actually first hurt his wrist last Tuesday, so over a week ago. Somehow actually played in three games after that um, in typical Mets fashion. Um, X-rays came back negative on the wrist, so that's the good news. Um, Hopefully he'll get over the hump after that cortisone injection. Still, yet another weird injury process by the Mets, and not what you want to hear two weeks out from the season. And more bad news on David Wright as well. Shut down for eight weeks, more issues with his shoulder and lower back. Um, he hasn't played in a major league game since May 27th of 2016, and this pretty much clinches that he'll go past the two-year mark since playing in a game. Um, and I don't think anybody on the Mets is really counting on him to contribute at this point. Keep in mind, they, they signed Todd Frazier during the offseason, so I think they're ready to move forward. I think Wright isn't ready to give up just yet, but I, I think the odds of him playing in, a, in another game are slim. Suspetta's so stopped playing golf, so you can't blame golf I anymore for these and he's injuries. Drinking, he's drinking water now, apparently. For a long time, he didn't <laughs> drink water, so he's drinking water and not playing golf, and who knows what's going to happen here. Maybe the the key to his success was playing golf and not drinking water. You know, tell that to all the, the sports talk radio <laughs> callers in New York. <laughs> um, right before we started recording um, this on Thursday evening, Mark Trumbo was diagnosed with a grade 2 strain of his right quad he'll be sidelined for three to four weeks the Orioles announced um, was sent for an MRI on Thursday morning after experiencing renewed discomfort in that quad when he returned to grapefruit league action on Wednesday he initially injured the quad last week um, I don't really like Trumbo a lot in fantasy I mean but he is kind of like a power upside guy in a really good homer park so maybe you knock him down a peg in your rankings. He's not someone that I usually wind up drafting anyway. Yeah, I mean, um, power is just so prevalent that yeah, you know, he's yeah. a late-round late, late round guy if you need to you know, get some more home runs you know, late in your drafts, basically. The Orioles have some a lot of things they can do at DH uh, where Trumbo was slated to play. I, I guess Pedro Alvarez might make their roster if, if that excites you, but maybe Chris Davis takes a lot of DH time in the early going and like Danny Valencia plays a lot of first base. They, they can mix and match. I don't think this really like opens the door for anyone that would be of, of fantasy interest. I think maybe Austin Hayes has a better shot of making the roster, but um, your, boy, I don't, your boy Colby Rasmus is, is on the Orioles now. Yeah, yeah, yeah he is. He, he's wearing big orange high tops. I was watching the, the Orioles game um, yesterday on Wednesday and they did like an in-game interview with him. It's just so much gold that comes out of his mouth. I love it. They were talking about he bought like a a little farm in Alabama this winter and he raises 50 cattle. Sounds about right. I I can't do it justice, (laughs) the the quotes, but it was, you just, I I love that man. Kind of. (laughs) I can tell. Um, (laughs) Well, we, we, we said in last week's show, we spent some time talking about Adam Eaton and Daniel Murphy. It seems the news is a little bit more promising with them this week. Um, yeah, I think with Eaton especially, um, might make his Grapefruit League debut this weekend per manager Davey Martinez. Um, Chelsea Janes of the Washington Post uh, spoke with Martinez in depth about Eaton and, and said that Martinez did not, does not seem concerned at all about Eaton being ready for the start of the season. 
Uh, I think they were just kind of easing him into action this spring. Had that, you know, rough knee injury last year, required ACL and meniscus surgery. Um, but I, I think he's going to be ready, and, and he's he's shaping up as a pretty good sleeper. His average draft position in Yahoo leagues right now is one sixty five point one. He's going to bat leadoff, I guess, in front of Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, and Anthony Rendon, all of whom we've we, we've projected for huge fantasy seasons. So you could get a real benefit, at least like in the run scored department. Eden doesn't hit a lot of homers, but he gets on base. You know, he's he can be a guy that sneakily puts up a lot of counting stats um, week after week. And then yeah, with Daniel Murphy, um, still limited to batting practice and fielding grounders hit right at, right at him. Um, and even in those batting practice sessions, the, the Nationals beat writers say he hasn't really used his legs. He's kind of just throwing the bat at the ball with his arms. Hasn't done any lateral movement type drills. Um, so, I, I, I mean, the, the Nationals haven't ruled him out for opening day, but I, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Um, it's, it's just two weeks away. I think a better target is like mid to late April with, I would probably lean more to late April. Um, went, underwent microfracture surgery on his right knee last October. It's a major procedure. Um, we, we've talked about it, I think on every podcast we've done since the second base rankings, but he's just, he's someone I'm going to let another owner draft. Yeah. And keep in mind, they re-signed Howie Kendrick, who did a really good job with them uh, down the stretch last year. So they had the luxury of plugging Kendrick in for a couple of weeks. Um, There's no reason to rush Murphy back, um, you know, and risk a setback, something like that. Um, So, yeah, I I think, you know, aiming for mid-April, late April is is the prudent thing to do, given the seriousness of that procedure. Um, So I'd be Pretty surprised to see him out there on opening day. But as you said, different story with Eaton. And given the average draft positions, I think, as you said, I think Eaton could be a great value. Murphy a little higher than I'd like. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that uh, shakes out. Um, just a couple I, of... I, I, I do ahead. have a... I'm sorry. I do have a couple more injury updates. Go for it. I could just run through. It's just... It's that kind of... It's that time of, like, the spring where you're, you're wondering whether the guy you're going to draft is... Is going to be ready for the season. Do it up. Um, yeah, we, we ex- expressed concern about Matt Carpenter on our last two podcasts due to that lingering back and shoulder issue that he was dealing with. But things have really trended in the right direction for him this week. He made his Grapefruit League debut on Tuesday, drawing two walks and two plate appearances and, and scoring two runs. And then on Wednesday, he singled and homered off Justin Verlander. Um, also taking just two plate appearances in that game. I think at this point, he, he looks like he'll be 100% for opening day. I um, think we can say that pretty confidently, just given the way he's looked. Uh, projected as the Cardinals' number three hitter behind Dexter Fowler and Tommy Pham and, and in front of Marcelo Zuna, a prime spot for high-level counting stats. Going in the 11th round of Yahoo drafts so far this spring, I think I'd take him a little earlier than that. Um and the Twins outfielder Eddie Rosario came down with triceps tendonitis in his right arm earlier this month, but he resumed throwing on Wednesday uh, and was back in the Twins Grapefruit League lineup on Thursday at the DH spot. The hope is that he'll be able to return to the field sometime this weekend. Doesn't seem to be in any danger of missing games at the start of the regular season. Rosario is somebody we both talked up in our Outfield Rankings podcast, coming off a career-high 27 home runs and 78 RBIs, also a career best 290 batting average, uh, 836 OPS, can run a little bit too. Projects to bat near the heart of the Twins lineup in, in 2018. 
possibly behind, you know, poss- possibly at cleanup behind Brian Dozier, Joe Maurer, Miguel Sano, and in front of Logan Morrison and Byron Buxton. I think Buxton could probably move up and, and push Rosario down, but either way, I think he's in a pretty good spot um, to, to put up some really good numbers. Current average draft position in Yahoo is 147. Yeah, I like him a lot this year, too. Hopefully mm-hmm. it's just a minor blip for him. Um, so as I said, just a couple of things before we go. Uh, we want to go over, like we've done in previous weeks, some spring training standouts, highlights, just kind of players you're tracking and monitoring this spring. I have one interesting to me, but I'm interested to hear yours first. Yeah, the the buzz seems to be growing about Dominic Leone open, opening the season as the Cardinals' closer. Um Bernie Miklas wrote about it today for the Athletic. Um, he's you know been around the Cardinals for thirty years. Kind of knows what he's Athletic now, really. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy. We're we're not. <laughs> um, Luke Gregerson is is still working through an oblique injury and wasn't really all that good last year in Houston. Um, Leone, meanwhile, has posted a one point five zero ERA with eight strikeouts through six innings this spring. Definitely passes the eye test in the times I've watched him. Has looked really dominant. Um, quietly had a 2.56 ERA and 81 strikeouts over 70 innings last season for the Blue Jays, who traded him to the Cardinals this winter for Randall Gritchick. Um, I, I think we're gonna next week on a podcast. We're gonna really focus on bullpens, and hopefully, a lot of the closer roles will um, have have become more clear at that point. Um, but yeah, Leon, I think is is the guy that I would draft if I'm I'm drafting a Cardinals reliever right now. Yeah, it was weird. Speaking of another closer situation, uh, Orioles manager Buck Showalter was kind of hedging on Brad Brock being the fill-in option for Zach Britton earlier this week. Um, just kind of saying he's a potential closer. I, I think he was just being kind to the other pitchers in the bullpen, you know, um, yeah. more than it being a criticism because Brad Brock was a really good fill-in for Britton even last year. Um, I'd be shocked if it was anyone other than Brock. I think Brock has some nice upside like if you're looking for a second closer to begin the year maybe for a couple of months and the way these closer situations go like these jobs are going to change hands and uh many times and and i only feel safe about maybe the top like 15 16 guys and i think there's going to be a ton of turnover with the other ones so if you can secure brock as your second closer and then just see how things fall with the others uh, i think you're still going to be in really good shape and maybe you could even draft Britain too and just stash him in a DL spot or tried to so um, yeah during during that Orioles game that I was watching where they interviewed Colby Rasmus they also interviewed Darren O'Day um, and they asked like you know Buck left open the idea that you know you could be the closer and he was like I I think Brad's gonna be it I think Buck was messing with you guys yeah Yeah, so even he has said O'Day's kind of a guy I mean he's closed a little bit at times too when they've needed it but O'Day's that guy you want in kind of the seventh, eighth, if if you need a ground ball, something like that. Um, So, yeah, I I think Brock's the guy, and I think fantasy owners should draft him with confidence. Um, I got another one. Uh, Padres outfielder Jose Perella is really tearing it up in the Cactus League, batting 467 with a 1,300 OPS, two home runs, three doubles, and a triple in 13 games. Has also drawn a good amount of walks, which is good to see. Um, it's silly to look at spring training leaderboards, but he is number one in batting average among all players as of, as of Thursday evening. And I, I'm, spring stats do kind of matter for Perella because there had been talk of him 
platooning in left field this year, and I think he's kind of erased that idea. Yeah. Um, the, the Padres have a ton of likable outfielders for, for as many flaws as there are along that roster. I mean, Manny Margot is locked into center. Will Myers is locked into right field now with Eric Cosmer at first base. But then you have Hunter Renfro, Franchi Cordero is having a nice spring, not to mention Travis Jankowski and Matt Caesar, more of bench guys. But, you know, so, but, but I think Perella has made the case that he, he belongs out there for the most part. Um, hit, hit 288 with an 837 OPS, 10 home runs and 40 RBIs and 43 runs scored in only 83 games last season. Also had four stolen bases, can run a little bit. Going undrafted in most leagues, doesn't even have an ADP on, on Yahoo or ESPN. It's in the 400s on some other services. Um, it may, maybe a guy you'd, you'd take near the end of a draft in a deeper league. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously bad news for Hunter Renfro. Um, guy who has a lot of pop, has legitimate power, um, but just hasn't been very good against right-handed pitching so far in the majors. Has a 676 OPS against righties in the majors so far, which is bad. Uh, has a 1084 OPS against southpaws, so huh. maybe short side of a platoon that could make sense, but Perel is a right-handed hitter, so it doesn't, you know, you can't do a strict platoon, so... It's a tough situation. I mean, maybe even Renfro's in the minors to begin the year. Like, who knows how that could go? They should Um, trade him. They could do that, too. They could do that as well. Um, So, yeah, definitely a situation uh, to watch there with the Padres. But I I think you're right. Deep, you know, deeper league, late rounds. Perel is definitely a worthy flyer. The guy I wanted to mention is Brandon Nimmo with the Mets. Didn't have a great day on Thursday from what I saw briefly, but... Still having a great spring overall. Came into Thursday's action hitting 308 with a 391 on base percentage. Um, the big thing is the power. He's hit three home runs, has eight extra base hits total, and this is a guy who quietly put up a 379 on base percentage and 215 plate appearance uh, plate appearances last year. Former first round pick uh, was tied for 10th highest walk percentage among players with at least 200 plate appearances last year. At this point, he's definitely going into the year as the primary center fielder and leadoff man and I, I guess we'll see Juan Lagares against lefties but I think I think Nimmo is going to be the guy at least to begin the year at the top of that lineup something will obviously have to give when Michael Conforto returns but Nimmo is going to have that chance to state his case for more playing time and and heck I mean I've watched Adrian Gonzalez this spring he does not look good um, so you have to wonder if the Mets will consider giving Jay Bruce some time at first base um, and maybe giving Nimmo a chance to stick in center field uh, and just put Conforto in right. So I think there's lots of ways this could potentially shake out. So if you're in a deeper league, you know, NL only, deeper mix, especially an on-base percentage league, I think Nimmo should definitely be on your radar. I think at least early he could have some sneaky value. I'm not sure we touched on Delano DeShields Jr. during our outfield rankings podcast. Maybe you did at, at the very end, but there were so many guys to talk about. I don't think we, I don't think we got that far. Um, but I had him as an intriguing like late round sleeper even before Rangers manager Jeff Bannister announced this week that the 25 year old will be his everyday center fielder and leadoff man. Um, Bannister also noted that he thinks the Shields could steal 50 bases this year. I like his it. current yeah his, his current average draft position in Yahoo leagues is 240. Um, so the very end of drafts uh, doesn't offer really any power upside but he stole 29 bases in 120 games 102 starts last season was always a pretty good obp guy in the minors finished with a career high 347 on base percentage last year i would be moving him up my rankings um 
especially if you know the Rangers are are committed to kind of being a bad team. Agreed. Anybody else? Um, yeah, I want to end it with Ronald Acuna. All right. <laughs> the number one prospect in all of baseball uh, continued his assault on the Grapefruit League on Thursday, hitting his third home run of the spring. It was a two-run no-doubter off Mike Fires. Uh, Mike, Mike Fires looked terrible throughout the outing, and he gave up a ton of home runs last year in Houston, so I, I don't know if, if that counts, but uh, you know, none of these count anyway. Um, but Acuna is batting 417 with an OPS uh, in the 1200s through 43 plate appearances this spring in the Grapefruit League. He looks ready to go, uh, ready to take the majors by storm. But of course, the Braves will play the service time game with him and send him to AAA Gwinnett to open the year. Um, I think MLB. it's like 18, ga- 18 days or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I was looking it up. Um, MLB.com's Mark Bowman wrote earlier this month that April 13th. Um, is is the day that they can bring him up and get an extra year of contractual control? That's so um, ugh, I, that's so icky to me. You know what I mean? I like know. I, I, you they would need- think MLB would like hammer down on such blatant manipulation, especially after the Braves just got in, like a ton of trouble <laughs> this past off season uh, for yeah. their prospects. I mean, it's a totally different regime, but it's still so obvious that it's just it's just icky business to me. But well, I mean, I think MLB is. Well, at least like the commissioner is, is in business with the owners and the owners like this kind oh, yeah. of thing. They like cost control. Yep. No, I, I, get, so it. I, I get it. I mean, it's a CBA issue and I think there will be changes to that structure whenever it is four years from now when, or three years from now when they renegotiate it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some real labor strife. Uh, maybe next off season will change that because yeah. I, I do think Harper and Machado will get paid. Donaldson will get paid. AJ Pollock, if he has a big year, will get paid. Clayton yeah, Kershaw, Kershaw will yeah. get paid. Yeah, right. So we'll we'll see. But right now, I, I think the tension has never been this high in, in the last decade. Yeah, I mean, I still um, think the big name guys are going to get paid no matter what. But it's like those middle guys, like the Neil Walkers, yeah, that get hurt the most. And then a lot of these like veteran outfielders we've seen sign kind of at the last minute, like really not getting much. You know, like Carlos Gomez, Carlos. Gon- I mean, granted, Carlos Gonzalez isn't what he was, but like. Players like that who still could be useful, produce productive players, um, just really aren't getting much guarantee at this point. And the real issue is it's the cost control structure I mean, that, that used to work, but all the teams are just relying on cost control young dudes now, and they're not going to pay thirty year olds a bunch of money. Right. It, it just um, was funny yeah. to see like Aaron Judge's contract renewed. Yeah. It was like six hundred and seventy six thousand dollars or something. It's yeah. just. C- Cody Bellinger got like 553k. Right, everything's just out of whack, and I, I think there there's a reckoning coming for that um, mm-hmm. pretty soon, and and something I think will will change things for the better ultimately. But with Acuna, like fantasy wise, that's not too long to wait. Um, yeah, you know, and, and in casual fantasy leagues where other other owners maybe aren't looking up when he's going to come up. Um, I think he might be able to get him around pick 100 to 120. That's where he's going in ESPN and Yahoo leagues. I've seen him go in the 70s in drafts I've done with you know industry experts. Yeah. Um, I, I like him in, in like the late 70s, early 80s. You know, it's funny. I'm working on the abusing the default rankings column right now. Um, hope to have it up in the next couple of days for the draft guide. Um, but in these pre-draft rankings, uh, Acuna is at 165 on ESPN wow. and 172 wow, wow, wow. on Yahoo, uh, which is 
bonkers. But I mean, everyone's going to be searching for his name when they do their own rankings. Um, so, you know, he's not going to last that long, but uh, it's still kind of crazy to see. I don't know. If you're in a high. league with guys who really don't pay attention, right. <laughs> you're going to get a really good deal. I mean, he, he just turned 20 years old. He's a future superstar. Um, batted 325 with an 896 OPS, 21 home runs, and 44 stolen bases in 139 games last season between three different levels of the Braves minor league system. Also tore up the Arizona Fall League. He is like a fantasy dream, um, the kind of numbers he puts up. Yeah, I haven't been able to get him in any mocks or drafts I've done so far, but I'm hoping I can change that in the next few days. Uh, yeah, I've got, got a few drafts coming up with like just some friends, and I know I'm going to get them. Yeah, I'd really like to get a piece of it just to see what happens this year. Um, you know, more incentive to watch him and pay attention to him. We'll be doing that anyway, but having him on your side makes it extra fun, I think. It's hard to get him when you're doing drafts with people who do this for a living. Yeah. Actually, I have him in a score sheet league. I got him oh, like two or three years ago, and I've been stashing sweet. him. So I'm looking forward to cashing in on that. So um, any anybody else? No, I wanted to end it on Acuna. Okay, I like it. Let's do it. Um, okay, so that'll do it for this week. One last note before we go. We'll be conducting a live mock draft from the NBC Sports Studios next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Uh, it'll be broadcast on Facebook Live, the NBC Sports app, and NBCSports.com. And you can win a, a spot in the mock with myself, Matthew Pouliot, Roto Pat from the football side at Roto World, and Roto World contributor Matt Straup. Basically, if you've purchased the online Rotoworld Draft Guide, you're eligible for one of the final eight spots in the mock draft. If you've purchased multiple premium products at Rotoworld, you have an even better chance of participating. Um, I'm really looking forward to this draft, going over strategy, interacting with our readers. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're a subscriber and you're interested, contact us at draftwithrw at gmail.com. Again, it's draftwithrw at gmail.com. I'll be ranking those those drafts. Uh the following day for an article that will appear on the Roto World website. So I expect to get an A grade, although you're not going to know which one's my team. I think right, right. We're doing a blind, blind uh, grading system. So I'll be able to figure out which one's yours. <laughs> you're getting a C. <laughs> but yeah, either way, it's it's going to be a ton of fun. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, if you like what you're hearing with this show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Also rate and review the show if you don't mind. We're trying to spread the word about this show, so anything you can do for us would be a huge help. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silve, and we'll see you next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.